iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for coming. Um, the Chinatown Film Project is the inaugural film exhibition at the Museum of Chinese in America. We just opened this past week um, at 215 Center Street, which is at, right at the border between Soho and Chinatown. And a couple of years ago, uh, during our expansion process, um, independent producer and curator Karen Chen came to us with this idea of doing a Chinatown film project. So she asked 10 filmmakers um, from New York, um, really the only rules I think we gave them were they had to be five to seven minutes and um, they had to make the film um, in next to no budget. And so um, we ended up getting 10 films um, all on Chinatown wide spectrum and white diverse um, perspective on Chinatown, really trying to create a new vision um, for Chinatown. And they are currently on view at the Museum of Chinese in America. Um, they're on a loop, um, 10 films, plus uh, the music video trailer that you're going to see today. Um, so I recommend you to go and check us out. We also have two other exhibits. Um, the core exhibit on the Chinese-American experience and uh, our first group contemporary art show called Here and Now. And tonight we're going to get to see uh, Richard Wong's um, hugely popular music video trailer for the Chinatown Film Project. Um, I want to give a shout out to Jo May. She's the actress and she is actually here. Um, and uh, the film that, and also the film that um, Rich co-directed with Wayne Wang. Um, and then I think we're going to get to see um, a video produced um, as part of MOCA's core exhibition. Um, and then Q&A following the screening uh, with Karen Chan, our producer and curator, and Rich Wong. Thank you. Along the streets, along the trees, a long time passes till the sun begins 
welcome. Welcome to the Apple Store. Welcome to the um, first or uh, the third off-site screening of the Chinatown Film Project um, um, videos. And what we, who we have here is the producer and Karen, and we have Richard Wong, who everybody knows is the director of the fabulous Colma the Musical, Option Three and uh, the co-director of um, Princess of Nebraska. So um, let's talk about um, the origins of the Chinatown Film Project. Um, people, Karen, could you talk about your curating process and selecting the filmmakers? Of course, in the community, it's commonly known as these people are um, FOK, Friends of Karen. But was your, was your casting wider than just people that you know? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the the um, motivation behind this project was, you know, really I moved into Chinatown and promptly encountered kind of all the stereotypes that people bring when I would mention that I live in Chinatown. And this project was really a way to, you know, present 10 very diverse views of, of Chinatown. So really re-seeing Chinatown through the the eyes of the filmmakers. And the only way to do that would to would be to curate a diverse selection of filmmakers. So, you know, I proposed 10 shorts because it would fit, you know, maybe in a one hour or, you know, feature length program. And with the 10 filmmakers, I really, um, you know, I started with a list. I made a list of maybe 350 directors in New York City. And I separated them by, um, by genre. You know, they work documentary, experimental narrative. Um, and I brought on some people to help me choose the filmmakers, but I was really wanted to get filmmakers who worked in different formats. Um, I mean, also from different backgrounds. You know, I'm really proud of the fact that four out of the 10 filmmakers are, are female directors, you know? So just keeping an, eye, keeping an eye on the diversity of the filmmakers and also the work that they produce. And were you looking at, um, uh, when you were giving out assignments, were you looking at any sort of preconceived um, uh, vision of Chinatown that kind of um, um, was in line with um, what Mocha was doing? I think that the reason Mocha was attracted to the project was because it was something really different than what they've done before. You know, it's the first time that they've um, worked with film. It's the first time that they've commissioned projects. I mean, not not anymore since the museum is open. So I kind of, you know, came on as an independent producer and curator and just wanted to execute on that level, something that they haven't done before, mainly to bring in an audience that really hadn't been to the museum before. You know, so I, to be honest, I wasn't really working in concert with the exhibitions that were being curated at MOCA at that time. Um, and one of the real directives of the project was to give the filmmakers freedom in constructing their vision of Chinatown. You know, there's sometimes a lack of freedom, even in independent filmmaking in the U.S. Um, and I just wanted to say, here's a, you know, here's a neighborhood. You have seven minutes. You know, show me how you see Chinatown. And the the result. I mean, um, there's it's not presenting a singular vision of Chinatown. I mean, um, uh, I heard a talk that you did on BAI talking about Chinatown not being not uh, Roman Polanski's Chinatown, but but wanting to confront those kinds of stereotypes that that a lot of us have about about um, coming to Chinatown from the tourist point of view to the resident's point of view. 
did you get a diversity of, of views um, in the results? Yeah, absolutely. And part of the fun of the project was letting the filmmakers figure that out for themselves because, yeah, I mean, to be honest, some of those filmmakers came into the project with those stereotypes in mind. And they first, the first projects they would pitch me, you know, were very... I was kind of, you know, some of them weren't even Chinese culture. They were Korean culture or Japanese culture. But I just trusted the process that once they got to Chinatown and started walking around and looking at the neighborhoods, they would discover, um, you know, whatever truths or beauties they found there for themselves. So what I love about the project is that the views are incredibly diverse. You know, the films are very true to the filmmaker's voice. Um, and, you know, to be honest, if one of the filmmakers made a film like Polanski's Chinatown, I would have kept it in the program because it really was about allowing the filmmakers to show us how they see Chinatown flawed or not. Well, as you know, um, New York City's Chinatown is one of the oldest, you know, um, um, lasting um, uh, ethnic communities in the country. And, and um, whereas San Francisco's Chinatown is pretty much gone over to um, the tourism business, in Los Angeles, there are three, four, five Chinatowns based on ethnicity. And what MoMA, I think, is doing, MoMA being the first national museum dedicated to um, uh, Chinese, the Chinese history in America, is uh, recognizing and acknowledging the changes that are going on in Chinatown because... Um, um, what we do have here in in New York City is we have Flushing, which is another Chinatown. We have Sunset Park, and we have um, other pockets of where Asian Americans congregate, including Great Neck, or kind of around, um, or um, uh, Jersey City, or in um, um, uh, in Fort Lee. Um, so the I think that what where I see that MOCA is is being relevant is that it's addressing these changes in Chinatown all the way from the gentrification that is that is is happening as well as the um, the the displacement of um, the longtime residents who have been there. And um, did you did you try to select any any um, filmmakers' um, treatments that address those kind of current changes in Chinatown? No, I mean, like I said, I really left it up to the filmmakers to decide what they wanted to shoot. I mean, what, what I did was try to choose filmmakers who I thought would present a very diverse view of Chinatown. And one of the directors I chose, Shelley Silver, has lived in Chinatown for 25 years. And I knew that whatever perspective she brought would be, you know, pretty inherent to the fact that she's been a part of this neighborhood through waves of different immigration, you know, through the changes that have, you know, happened to a city as a whole. Um, but, I mean, maybe Rich can speak to that as well because he comes from San Francisco Chinatown and was born there, right? Born and raised in two different Chinatowns in San Francisco. Yeah, hey, I'm Rich. I, I, uh, I grew up in San Francisco Chinatown. And San Francisco Chinatown now is nothing like it was back then. It was, you know, it's like you said, it's kind of Disneyland Chinatown, which kind of sucks. It's like Asia Town, more like. So um, when I come to New York Chinatown, it kind of reminds me of the way Chinatown used to be. So, um, but then, but, but I didn't want to do exactly like I didn't want to do Chinatown, Polanski Chinatown. Can we even say Polanski right now? Um, but like, 
I didn't want to do Polanski's Chinatown. I wanted to have. I didn't want to have like an old man with a cane and like the wushu and all that stuff. I thought having someone young and hip would be, uh, you know, because Joe May is super hip, right? Um, I, I think. I think that would. I thought that would be an interesting perspective, anyway. And then, uh, and then, and then have, you know, because like I, I think when people think of Chinatown, I kind of tend to think. Of, I think of my grandfather, to tell you the truth. And you know, he's a guy with like a hunchback and like a cane and stuff. And like, I, you know, we all love those, you know, like those kind of classic icons of Chinatown. That would be really. And like, I, and I really wanted to have an, an, a much older, an older Chinese man doing this kind of hip stuff, you know. So. We put that guy in there, um, and that guy's lived in Chinatown his whole life too, right? Um, and you know, and they have a little kid, so it was kind of—I just kind of wanted to show how how um, Chinatown is what it is because of the generations that it has. And you know, we, I think we, we tried to cover as much as we could with you know the minute that I had. I didn't even have five minutes. Rich's piece uh, is one that I snuck in. That's one of the privileges of being the curator. But when he, when Rich uh, co-directed a piece with Wayne Wang called Tuesday, which hopefully we'll see uh, shortly. But afterwards, I was talking to Rich, and I was asking, well, what were some of the ideas? You know, what's the process of co-directing? Two, you know, two very uh, talented, um, but also very specific directors. You know, what's the process? And he said, well, I wanted to make a musical. And I said, oh, musical, a musical in Chinatown. I mean, who's, who's done that recently? And I said, well... You know, I can't include it as part of the 10 because you had to be a New York filmmaker and Rich is from San Francisco. So I said, what about if you make a trailer that's, you know, less than two minutes long and I give you almost no money? How about that? I'm like, all right, no money. That's cool. Um, but I mean, you know, who doesn't want to make musicals? I mean, you know, everything's a musical. I mean, like, I mean, the Apple store is dying to be a musical, you know, with like all these stairs and stuff. I just, you know, I mean, I just think it's fun. You know, I, I just really, I thought it would be really fun to do. So there's that. It doesn't have to be that deep, you know. It doesn't have to be that clinical. Can you talk about your piece? Oh, my piece? Yeah. About Wayne's piece? Well, first of all, um, in your, in your, in your, in the trailer that you did, how did you go about uh, your casting? Oh, um, how to go, well, uh, yeah, um, Joe May, who's um, right there in the audience, um, She's uh, her, you know. I had met her and her boyfriend JP Chan, who's also a great filmmaker. And um, we, we, I met them at at um, at the premiere, the world premiere of, of my my first feature, Coma the Musical, in San Francisco. And we just kept in touch. And when when I had told Karen about this idea, um, I don't know. I, I just thought Joe May just came to mind because um, she's. Totally Chinese, but totally contemporary, and that's what I was going for. <laughs> uh, what, other, what else? The little girl. The little girl was um, actually Karen's. I, I wanted a little girl, didn't I? Yeah. I'm trying to remember now. I, I wanted I wanted someone to represent the youth of Chinatown because it's certainly. I grew up in Chinatown. There's always a lot of kids running around, like past cars and stuff, and um, so I wanted to have a little girl. And um, Karen had worked with that little girl from the motel, and I mean, she was perfect. She was so great, and you know, it kind of all just like every other film, just kind of all came together like it always does. And the old the old man was the same. He came in for like an audition, right? And um, you know, Are you talking he, about Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, the, the guitar, old man. the guitar yeah, we player. We should call him an old man. <laughs> the gray-haired man. The gray-haired man. He's, He's not old a rock at all. Man. He just has gray hair. Uh, the older man in in the piece, um, who was great. 
he came in for an audition and he brought his guitar and he played a bunch of songs and you know it was you know it just all came kind of came together it wasn't it wasn't very tough honestly i mean we had a great song and uh we shot at Karen's apartment who lives in Chinatown and you know we just had a really good time i think i think you could tell we just had a really really good time doing it and it wasn't even really long days. It was just really hot. Well, that's because we shot on the hottest day of last year, yeah. and by 2 p.m. we all had heat exhaustion. Yeah, so yeah. We decided I think it was like 100 and 100, 100 degrees and 100% humidity, um, which is what Karen likes working that way, actually. Okay, I think they're, we're ready to show the piece that you co-directed with Wayne Wong.
So this, you collaborated with Wayne on another film called The Princess of Nebraska. Can you talk about, and Wayne Wong is the, probably the godfather of Asian American filmmaking. Um, how did you guys get together? He saw, um, well, um, he saw Colma, the musical, and um, he asked to have a meeting with me. I'm trying to remember. Uh, he, he asked to have a meeting with me about uh, another project, um, about doing a musical together, basically. And, um, and, you know, the second I met him, I mean, I've had a fair amount of meetings, and, you know, sometimes you don't get along with that person. You meet, there's a chemistry. But Wayne and I had instant chemistry, you know. Um, we had a really good meeting. And, um, you know, I had showed him a lot of my DP work, and he was like, oh, next movie, you know, you'll have to come DP with me. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and so the next movie uh, turned out to be Princess of Nebraska, and, um, and then he asked me to co-direct, too. So that was really cool. And it was kind of simple as that. I think it just had a lot to do with the fact that we could get along really well. You know, I think a lot of working relationships are about that. And, you know, we, we, um, you know, we talked about aesthetic a lot, and, we, you know, we agreed on a lot of things. So um, after Princess of Nebraska and Post, he had, um, since we were already collaborating, like, throughout Post, and we were going to be in New York, we did most of the Post in New York here, um, uh, Karen had asked him to do this, and he asked me to join along, and uh, I was more than happy to. So you, um, um, you also, in addition to the, the films that you've written and directed, um, some on your own, some with your writing partner, H.P. Mendoza, um, you, um, you love to shoot. And so um, the, can you talk about the trust that, you, that, um, um, that needs to happen between a director and a shooter? Yeah, I mean, I think that's... Um I think my shooting was part of what got me that co-directing credit, actually, you know, because I, I still kind of firmly believe in only one person talking to the actors. Um, you can only con I always feel like you can only confuse actors by having a lot of people talk to them. So um, not that actors are easily confused. It's just, you know, it's, a, it's just a, you know, a kind of a formality thing. So um, what was great about Princess and Wayne was that, you know, he really kind of let, let me go loose whenever I shoot. Um, we just shot... You know, he let me shoot it kind of however I wanted. Um, but we talked a lot. We watched films together, and we talked about it, and I would always, you know, run things by him. And um, whenever I had notes for actors, I would never tell the actors directly. I'd always say, hey, Wayne, blah, 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 and he'd, and he'd go relay it for me because um, I just think that's uh, protocol, you know. So um, in that sense, I think, you know, on a regular, on, a regular on, on any other thing, whenever I DP for any other directors, I... I would tend to reserve a lot of my comments, but with Wayne, we could, you know, I think I felt like I had, I had allowance to uh, pretty much say, speak fully my mind. I didn't, I didn't feel like I'd step on any toes or, you know, go over bounds or anything like that. So clearly, um, if you haven't seen Colma the musical, um, it really is a modern day musical that, that, um, that incorporates a lot of the traditions of letting the songs drive the narrative and um <clears throat> and propel the story forward so in a lot of your other films deal heavily with music um um where do you get your music where do i get my music um or how do you work with a composer I, or <laughs> oh you know i mean i just love music i've, I've always loved musicals my whole life um 
And, you know, I think just watching this and remember, remembering, like, our whole thing, like, you know, Wayne really wanted to do something very documentary, and I just, I, I just wanted to do a musical, you know? Um, so um, this is what kind of came out. Um, and I think it just has to do with the way, I don't know, I just, there's something, I don't know, chemical about pictures and music that specifically appeals to me. I, I can't really clinicalize it too much. I just really like it, you know? Um, but working with the composer, yeah, we worked with this uh, on this thing, for example. We worked with the composer quite a bit. Um, uh, you know, it took a long time to get there. I think, uh, I think, largely because it's kind of a it's kind of a tough piece. I think, you know, because it has, it has to kind of straddle the line of melancholy, but still hopeful and also objective. Like life is just going. It's not necessarily bad or good. It's just it's just going. You know, and um, you know that was a tough line to draw. So I think. I mean, working with composers is like working with actors, like working with anything else. I mean, music is music is almost always an, another character. And how about the the track for the trailer? Where did you get that? Oh, H.P. Mendoza, um, who who also wrote all the music and and the screenplay for Coma the Musical. He did he did you know I, I you know when I was when Karen came to me about doing a musical, you know I was just like hey you want to do this thing? He's like okay, and uh, and he wrote it pretty quick, and it was. Basically, the first, that's, the first draft was the last draft, I think. I don't think we had him rewrite anything. We just shortened it because it was written to be a little bit longer. There's a whole another, another verse, another bridge. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was as simple as that. I mean, I love his music so much. I mean, he almost could do no wrong, I think. Um, um, I think that uh, we want to show next a piece from that, um, that was produced for the... Um, uh, for the core exhibit at MOCA, and this is a series of 12 portraits by um, 12 Americans and relating their ex their um, Chinese American experience with their um, with some object of Chinese American history in the museum. Um, I think we 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 selected a piece. Are we ready to show that? So this is part of an interactive exhibit. When you go to the museum, it's the last thing that you see, and you're invited to go up. There are three touchscreen monitors, and go to the museum and bang around on it. We want to see what your reaction is. People would always approach me like, what are, what are you? What's your background? It would be my response has always been, I'm Chinese and I'm Jamaican. I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, Coney Island to be specific, and uh, the community that I grew up in was predominantly African-American. It was that of an African-American experience that I, you know, kind of gravitated towards initially. When you're a kid and you're growing up, you know, kids are kids and they see differences and they call them out, right? So you, you start to get confronted with your own identity pretty early and you figure out quickly how do you want to relate to that. For the most part, I grew up with my mom. That's, you know, it was a single family house. My mom was great around explaining, you know, what my background was. There's no apologies about it. It's, it is what it is. And, you know, so I felt it was just very comfortable for me. I think it, it comes more from my mom. My grandfather and my grandmother were both, you know, from Canton. My grandfather spoke some English, but not a great deal of English, and my grandmother didn't speak any English. So 
whether it be Chinese New Year, whether it be just dinners, coming over for dinner. Um, as a, a kid, that was my experience with them and how I connected with my Chinese heritage. So we would take the train to Chinatown to see my grandfather. And I can remember seeing graffiti on the wall and thinking it was Arabic or, you know, I was like five, six years old. It was just completely foreign. So I think that was my first visual kind of connection. Um, from a community standpoint, kids in my neighborhood as I was growing up started writing graffiti. It became something um, that kids were doing and talking about and me being connected creatively, I think, I naturally kind of gravitated towards how do I do that? In high school, I moved into a different kind of community because my high school was in on 57th and 2nd Avenue, so High School of Art and Design. So you had kids from all different boroughs kind of coming into this one school and they were all creative. And at that time, there were a lot of graffiti artists there. I really started to gravitate towards all these different kids from different backgrounds, or Chinese, or white kids. There were kids from Queens who were black. There were, you know, it was just a mix of different people who wrote graffiti. And the common thread was this need to express themselves. So we wanted to have a crew of just our friends, right? So we called it PNB Nation. And it was based on looking at construction sites where they would put post no bills. And I was trying to be deep and trying to, you know, come up with something super clever. We, we felt like, well, post no bills means, you know, not putting up a false advertisement of who you are. You are what you are. A reflection of our crew are just a bunch of different kids together who just are comfortable in their own skin. When we translated that into our clothing, into the business, um, all of my partners, West was Jewish, uh, Zulu was Japanese and African-American, Bluster was, uh, is uh, Puerto Rican, you know, my background and adding all those things in, you, you come out with pretty complex three-dimensional ideas and concepts and, and we always, thought that, you know, we could go deeper. My name is Roger Brew McHale, and I'm Chinese and Jamaican. So that is one of 12 portraits, and, um, and we'd like very much if you guys could visit MOCA and, and um, please give us your feedback. MOCA is... Um, in a way, a modern museum in, in that it's a museum that is living and it's breathing and it's constantly growing. Um, so much of the Chinese American history um, is an oral history um, because um, um, English being the second language of a lot of the, the, um, the Chinese Americans, um, nobody really stopped to sit down and write down their family histories. So a lot of these histories were passed down from generation to generation, and it's something that the, Mo that Mo the people of MOCA is really intent on doing in capturing these stories. And so um, take your granny down there, take your grandfather down there, tell your story. There's an amazing project called Digital MOCA where they're allowing you to go down and record your history. Uh, to bring your family photos, to bring some artifacts, um, and to build this 
construct of what Chinese American history is and is still growing and breathing. So um, it's Q&A time. Um, let's open it up to questions. Anybody with a question for Rich, Karen? Um, I was curious as to the film that uh, you made for the project. Uh, when you compose the music do you and you edit the film, do you, I, I don't know, people have different ways that they work. Uh, which is the way that you used? Did you edit to the music or did you compose to the edited film? Oh, uh, you know, I, I always edit to music. Um, even if it's going to be temp. I edited, the, uh, I edited the Wayne Wong project that I did with him. I edited that to music, to temp music. It's just a, a cadence thing. I, I, I kind of can't do it without it. <laughs> um, if you can do it without it, it's amazing. But um, yeah, I, I always edit to music first. So, so generally, whenever I do a musical, it's, we always compose the music first. For the, like for that musical, we did the music first. Yes, just to elaborate on that, can you, uh, with regard to getting music and then you go out and shoot four particular pieces of the music, actually? Yeah. Um, I mean, a piece of music is like a screenplay, you know? I mean, you read a screenplay, you hear some music, I mean, you're seeing something, you know? And it's, I think it's as simple as just trying to shoot what you see. Um, that's, I, that's how I simplify the whole process. It's not really that simple, but that is. I mean, you know, so when, when I heard this piece of music that HP wrote for me, um, this is basically what I saw. Um, and we just went out and tried to execute it as close as possible. Well, I noticed that your two films are so different. Are you the director for both of them? Yeah, I co-directed the, the second one with Wayne. I yeah. love the way you put a, a camera, the perspective to bring that person out. It's so intense. And, and the music is a little bit off my mind. I, not yet to grasp it. It does make an impression, I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. What do you say about just two different style film? What do I say about the visual style? Is that, is that, was that the question? Oh, oh, that they're both very different? Well, I like doing. I like to do different stuff, you know. Um, you know, I mean, I think the the really crappy thing about Hollywood and um, being a filmmaker is that you get a little stuck um, doing whatever the first thing you did was, because suddenly you've proven you could do that, and that's all you can do. Like for example, *Coma the Musical*, coming of age musical comedy slash drama. I mean, you know, my age, when I got my agents, that's all they put me up for. Like, I really wanted to do video game movies, and I, re I really wanted to do... I, there's all kinds of stuff I want to do, and I think I could do them. But, you know, um, people only think you could do one thing. So I think I've gone out of my way to um, constantly switch things up in multi-genre stuff and keep, just try, keep trying to switch gears. And I, I think I'm a little obsessed with it at this point. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't like to do just one thing. I get bored. Um, I have a question because I grew up in China and then I came to this country after college. So do you want to shoot a film in China in the future? I'd love to shoot a film in China. Why I want to shoot from everywhere, you know, except like Beirut or something. But I mean, um, yeah, I'd love to go shoot in China. I, I'm not, my Chinese is not very good, um, oddly. But, um, you know, 
I would, I would like to go to China and uh, get better at Chinese. I, I shot something in Hong Kong last year, and um, it was great. I just had the best time. Hong Kong's not China, but, you know, they speak Chinese there. <laughs> in, the, in your music video, um, in, the, in the, the opening montage, you might, may have had, like, 15, 20 shots. Like, did you record the song um, with each setup and then cut it together, or did you have... Um, your actress just lip sync parts of the song. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Was I re- was I really specific about what lines and what locations? No, I. I think we had. I'm looking at her because I'm trying to remember. Um, I'm, I think we had direction for each verse. Uh, like the verse, the first verse is gonna be very stiff and like folded arms, and you know I'm pissed. I don't care. And then the second verse, looser. And then the third verse, super loose. Um, so I think we shot, you know, I, I don't remember. I, I think we shot mostly the whole song in every location and then edited it together. <laughs> uh, hi, you mentioned talking to Wayne about, um, like, aesthetics. And so I wanted to hear you talk more about, like, how would you describe the aesthetics that were in your shorts? Wayne's aesthetic is very interesting. He loves... He loves very exper- he loves experimental stuff. He loves like um what did he give me? Well, when we talked about I mean when we talked about this, I think our first pitch was to go to Flushing. Um I remember his first idea that he came to me with was like, "Hey, what if we go to Flushing and followed around all these illegal people?" Right? Wasn't that it? Yeah. Um and then I think there was like a clearance issue. <laughs> so, um we decided not to do that. Then he had a bunch of, um, you know, very documentary ideas. And he's, he's very documentary. I don't know if you know, like, Wayne, Wayne's all about documentary. Like, that's his whole thing. Like, whenever, you, whenever he gets out of the Hollywood system, he goes more and more documentary. And, like, in fact, he got fired in Hong Kong because he was the first TV director to ever go handheld. Because that's just the way he thinks. He thinks very documentary. What's real, you know? So, um, so uh, whatever, he, whatever we do, I think it, it tends to err toward that. And this... This is really kind of an extension of Princess of Nebraska. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, if you haven't, please do. Um, but this is really quite an extension of that aesthetic um, with this kind of this handheld, like very pretty handheld. I, I have this thing against crazy handheld, you know. So, um, so you know, I mean, it is kind of a blend of, of – it's kind of the gray area of what Wayne and I like. You know, certainly he likes things that I don't like and – I like things that he doesn't like, but this is this this represents the gray area, the things that we do like together. Thanks, uh, Karen. I just wanted to say I really love the idea, and I was wondering if you have any plans to curate another project, or um, if you could tell us about some of your works in progress. Sure, I am actually going to Beirut. I don't know if you made that comment because I'm going to Beirut on Monday to produce a film. Um, but I should also say that the, uh, the Chinatown Film Project is at the very least a three-part exhibition. So, you know, the, the ten films plus Rich's trailer is one part. And then there's an online channel that we created where anybody around the world can upload videos that they've made about Chinatowns and their cities. Um, and that's on YouTube. It's just youtube.com slash mochanyc. And that's continuing... Um, you know, we just did a showdown in, uh, showdown in Chinatown in Honolulu, and they produce, you know, 20 or 30 shorts that are going on that channel. Um, and that's all, that also can be viewed at the museum. And then the third part of the exhibit was 
always to find 10 filmmakers around the world to make uh, films about the Chinatowns in their cities. So like Chinatown in Paris, Chinatown in Yokohama, Havana, Cuba, and then play those alongside, you know, the New York ones. So, you know, that's definitely coming in the future, you know, the next year or two. Um, as for curating more, I mean, I really enjoyed the curating process. You know, it's, it's fun to, you know, just make lists of filmmakers and reach out to them. And in, in the process of doing this project, I got to work with 12 incredible directors, you know, Rich included, who I'd always wanted to work with. So as a producer, I kind of got to pick directors that I was really interested in and, you know, whose aesthetic and process, you know, were in line with what I was interested in as a producer. Um, the, the flip side of that is that I had 12 directors to work with, you know, and collecting the, you know, just everything from collecting the materials to making sure they shot on time to making sure they delivered on time was, you know, one director times 12, even though they're small projects. So at the moment, the future curating will be for the international part. Um, my work's in progress. You know, the feature that I'm producing in Beirut is actually an Iranian film. It's going to be the first Iranian film that deals with female homosexuality. So we're shooting in Lebanon instead of Tehran. And that'll start shooting at the end of the year. It's a project that was developed at the Sundance Lab. I also just recently shot in Haiti and also New York for a film about exile that was also developed at the Sundance Lab. Um, next year, I have a feature that I'm shooting, um, which is about two girls who fall in love, and one of them turns into a werewolf. And it's by two of the directors in the Chinatown Film Project, So Young Kim and Bradley Rusgray. And I, I have a company that I founded uh, last year, which distributes underground films from China to the U.S. And we just had a film premiere at the New York Film Festival. This amazing documentary called Ghost Town. Um, and uh, you know, right now we have about 20 films that we're bringing you know, totally unauthorized, uncensored films from China to, you know, to play in North America. A question over here, actually. Where would somebody go to see all the films in the Chinatown Film Project? Great question. Um, all of the films are playing at MOCA, at the museum, which I really encourage all of you to visit, not only for the exhibitions, but, you know, the space itself is gorgeous. It's a new building designed by Maya Lin. It's literally down the street. Um, it's on, you know, the entrance is on both Center and Lafayette, right above Canal. Um, the films are playing uh, on a loop, so continuously every single day until the end of the year. And the, you know, part of the reason why we did this talk here, even though you can go there to see the film, is really because this project is to bring new audiences to Chinatown and also to the museum, including kind of opening up the borders that traditionally have insulated Chinatown from its neighbors, including Soho, Tribeca, and so on. So we really encourage you to go down there and, and um, participate in, in the films that are happening there. I would actually, I'm curious who are the other people that are profiled in the 12 pieces or the 12 portraits? Um, we got a lot of people. Um, the, the idea of the museum, that the museum and the producer Jason Wong um, came to us with was that we want to do these 12 portraits and, and we want to um, kind of illustrate the fabric and the texture of, of um, not just Chinese Americans, but people's relations to the Chinese American experience. And so we have uh, Jeff Gramage, who, who's a who's a um, an author and a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer, who adopted two girls from China, and he is um, he is 
um, kind of discovering his own identity through his his daughter's experiences. And in Philadelphia, he takes them down, and they do kung fu lessons, and they do lion dances, and he's connecting um, uh, to the Chinese American heritage through his daughters. We also have Jennifer Eight Lee, who is a uh, New York Times reporter. We have Tiwa Chang. We have the um, comptroller elect John Liu. Well, I guess that's not correct since we don't have a final vote yet. We have. Councilman John Liu, who um, just won the Democratic um, um, uh, nomination for the um, New York City controller. Um, we have Agnes Chan, who is the first Chinese-American um, uh, female detective on the New York City Police Department. And we have Father Raymond Nobiletti, um, who is the pastor of um, um, Transfiguration Church, which is known as the Church of the Immigrants. And what you just saw was um, Roger McHale, who's a internationally known graffiti artist who started the clothing line PMB Nation, who is our intern. And, <laughs> and we found him. Now he's the director of, um, of urban um, sportswear at Nike. And he went from Coney Island, Lincoln High School, to living in a gated community in Portland. It's quite a culture shock for him. And we also have, and there's also the scholar Frank Wu, who um, who wrote um, the book Yellow. And um, the, the exciting part about that film was that <clears throat> he has a um, <clears throat> a uh, um, a huge um, yellow BMW, and he dresses up in a yellow um, uh, leather suit, and he drives around to give his lecture lectures on his on his motorcycle. So. Um, like I said, this is the interactive program, um, which is down at MOCA. And we ask each one of the, the people to, um, to really tell their story in their own voice and to relate what their message is to some object in the, the, the museum. And so, for example, um, <clears throat> it, it came down to like the metaphorical um, can of bamboo shoots um, how how would you tell your story and relate to this object if it was a can of bamboo shoots? And um, so people talk about like um, women's issues. They talk about stereotypes. They talk about immigration. Um, and it was a great experience, which was kind of like yours, really fast, no money. So um, that is our Mocha experience, and I guess that takes us up to to our time. And um, so, yay for Mocha. Thanks for having us.